Hello and welcome to On the Horizon podcast coming at you from Dean Studios. We are an extension of Horizon Church, a relationally driven, socially conscious, Jesus-centered church located in the heart of Towson, Maryland. I'm your host, Ryan Casey, and today we are joined by, we are going to be having a fireside chat around the topic of men's ministry. I'm really excited to be joined by Pat Goodman and Josh Glazer, two people who know infinitely more than me on the subject. Thanks for joining me, guys. Uh, <laughs> was that too professional for you? No, that was just overstated. That, that was just so over the top. Let's climb Mount Everest, too, with no oxygen. That'd be great. <laughs> no, I'm really honored to be with you guys, and I'm excited to have this conversation with you. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people will know who you are, but I wanted to kind of start by hearing a little bit more about you, too. So it, who wants to go first? Pat does. <laughs> Thanks. That's only because I'm older, a lot older than you. <laughs> you more to say. You more to say. <laughs> Pat, tell me a little bit about yourself, career-wise, family, like, where, where are you from? Oh, well, originally from Washington, D.C. We were moved here to Baltimore about 31, going on 32 years ago. I was on full-time staff with Young Life and have continued to maintain a role in Young Life, 25 years full-time. In the last 16 and a half on a part-time training, communicating role, which I love, and I've been married to my lovely wife for, wow, 41 years. Amazing. Made three grown kids, all married, eight grandkids, which is hard to believe. <laughs> wow. And have found myself working with men in a way that in some ways is very, very surprising. In other ways, probably not so much. It's just an extenuation of some things some people did for me and with me um, as I was growing up and coming out of a broken family and mm. some of those dynamics. So we found our way to Grace Fellowship Church when we first moved here and a number of years ago made a transition from full-time Young Life to a role within Young Life, mm. which I just love. And then giving a lot of our efforts at Grace, we've been through a number of different transitions there, but right now half my life is there focusing on a ministry to men. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for telling us that. Josh, how about you? Are you from Baltimore? I don't, I don't know where you're from. No, I, well, I was born in Southern Maryland. I grew up in Colorado. Wow. Uh, my whole childhood in college out there. And then my dad lives here. So um, after I graduated from college, I moved back here. Uh, sorry, back here as in Southern Maryland. And then spent four years there and then moved up to, to Baltimore. So I've been here since 1999. Wow. And um, I work with Regeneration. It's a ministry that walks alongside men and women who are struggling with uh, sexual, relational, emotional issues and helps them to become more whole in Christ. Um, I love it. Yeah. Uh, married to my wonderful wife, Jamie, for 17 years now. We have five kids, and uh, so life is busy, and we, we like coffee. <laughs> I can see why you would need coffee, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> keeping up with all that, sure. and five kids. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you guys for joining me. I'm really excited about this. Honored uh, to be here. Me too. I know that both of you are not limited to working in men's ministry. You have like a wide variety of things that you do, but this has been a big part of your lives and your mission, working with men. How did you develop a heart for investing in the lives of men? I think for me, I was thinking about this earlier, um, it started because men invested in me. Hmm. And uh, I think especially especially um, some of the men who, who took me really seriously, and I think began to um, treat me in a way that I, I, was, I felt seen, felt heard, hmm. um, got after some, some deeper stuff in my life, some stuff hmm. that was really, really difficult. And uh, it, it just, it moved me, it changed my life, changed yeah. the trajectory of my life. And I was, I would, it would not be an exaggeration to say that there, discipleship, their involvement, um, not only changed my life, but, but, um, it's going to have an impact in, for generations in my family, wow. um, just because of the, the change that, that they, uh, they brought to me. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I would say for me, you know, we all grow up with gaps, right? Mm. I mean, nobody has it perfect. 
Right. And I think sometimes some of the gaps might be bigger than others, but they exist. And I truly don't know where I would be right now had there not been two men specifically, a gentleman by the name of Chuck Reinhold, another John Hartsock, who saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and wouldn't let me quit and drew it out of me. Mm. And because of that, there were some other young men at that time where friendships were born, where we began to, I think, relate and call things out of each other that were deep. And then the challenge came to look behind myself and not just in front, but like, who am I going to be that for? Mm. This little question, like, who are my men? Yeah. Um, not that I own somebody, but I mean, right. in terms of giving my life away, I think we all think we just do that. I, I Maybe true to some degree, but I think intentionalizing it makes a huge difference. So yeah. at a very, very young age in my life, when I was 22 years old, 21, 22 years old, being that I'm 98 now, <laughs> not, not really, I'm not quite that old, but <laughs> uh, you, you begin to see the value of doing that over time. Um, so we'll get more into that, I think, but yeah. that has been huge for me. I think that challenge and then seeing the impact and the fruit of that. Uh, that's a big deal. I, I I would agree with you guys. My large part of my story is that men took the time to invest in me and to pour into who I was. And like I, I changed a little bit of like the culture of men around me. Like I grew up with a group of high school friends who spent all our time together. Yeah. But we didn't go any deep places. Right. You know, it's I think men can have an uncanny ability to <laughs> to spend large quantities of the time and not do anything of substance if like if given like no guidance for that and I, I feel like that was totally us and we had somebody who kind of like took us to deep places and helped us go there for each other but to think that i had anything to offer was still like way outside of my box until i remember it was actually a young life camp i invited i was a senior in high school and they had told us that we couldn't go to camp unless we brought two other people because it was the same old people coming to young yeah. life and so i invited the sophomore that i had been like hanging out with in one of my computer classes thinking this guy's not going to go to colorado wow. on a camp with me like if some guy he barely knows uh, but he was like excited mm. about the idea loved the idea of the camp and he came and he met the lord and and i started kind of meeting with him the way my young life leader met with me and it just unlocked something in me it's, you bet. It, there was something in me that said this is i'm like designed for this like i yes. love what yeah. i'm getting out of this time and so it definitely it definitely was a special thing to get to important to this guy brian's life which was really cool i think i think that goes both ways that yeah we're designed to have somebody pour into us mm. and designed to pour out like i yeah like i think i mean i'm kind of struck as we're sharing that and I, I can just resonate this with or resonate with this in other contexts too. Like there's something in a man that's just hungry for mm -hmm. an older man or a man who's further along in the journey or yeah. some journey to pour into him. And Absolutely. there's something in us that wants to make an impact that lasts, that, that goes beyond just our, our self, our little life. Hmm. I, I know over the years I've, I've sensed this because I've seen it myself, but I, I don't, I think we've given into the logic that men don't, want to go deep or they're afraid of it right. i think there's a little fear i think they just sometimes don't know how yeah but there is this deep capacity and yearning not because it's a men's thing i think it's a human thing mm -hmm. and so even in my work with men over the years you know i think of it more of a ministry to men than just this isolated silo of men's ministry because <laughs> women have tremendously impacted my journey mm. um for sure but uh, there the, there is something I think about a man's life into another man's life that is significant that we don't need to apologize for. Yeah. And it's not a um, minimization of a woman's voice and vice versa. Yeah. I just think 
we can miss these things when we don't affirm both. Yeah. And we become, we create tension that doesn't need to exist. Yeah. That's a great point. Cause I think it's, you know, it begs the question like why men's ministry? And I think that's like really important. Why is it significant for men to have time with other men? Not because it's better than, but just because it's different than, and it it's provides just, a special. It's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's so, it's so deep and rich. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll talk more about that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> one of the things that I'm so impressed about with both of you, and one of the things that I've been taught by as I've spent time with you guys, is just how willing you are to be vulnerable. You know, I think, uh, especially when you see people kind of get to leadership positions, I tend to think the vulnerability tends to shrink. They're afraid to like show chinks in the armor a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I've been so just floored by how you guys lead out of vulnerability. And I don't think that's something that you just woke up and started doing. You know, I, it's been my experience that, you know, that, that's developed as a quality in us. Like how did that develop in you and maybe who helped model that for you? Well, I, I, I would say for me, I mean, I, <coughs> Chuck Rhino for sure. Chuck was endlessly having an environment of laughter that was at his expense <laughs> in a good way. But he was so comfortable in his own skin and at the same time was so free. Uh, I, you know, there's an illusion that you have to be more than you are and it is unbelievably weighty and tiring. And I think when I got in touch with the fact that Myself, like others, are fearfully and wonderfully made by the Lord, <clears throat> and yet what we are is human. And as I know my own experience, I know somebody else's, that we're, none of us are as neat and as tight as we'd like to present ourselves to be. And then I heard a good friend say once, you're only as healthy as the secrets you keep. Hmm. And if that is true, I said, well, it is time hmm. to create more of a reality and vulnerability. Yeah. The last thing I'd say, a good friend of mine, Doug Holiday, who has a unique ministry called Path North. He works, you could look it up, but he, he works with some of the most powerful people from a certain perspective in the world and by financially in the financial industry and government and business and different arenas. But he said, most people think that what brings you close to another person is when you talk about your strengths. Mm. And with these people, he does exactly the opposite. Mm. And they spend most of their time talking about their vulnerabilities. That's really cool. And how life-giving it is and refreshing to be able to admit the reality that you are human, have limitations, and can be honest about it. So that has been some a few of the things, Ryan, that have been very, very helpful for me. And I just got tired of pretending. One of my yeah. great fears, honestly, and what I do is that people are going to think more of me than they should. Wow. I'm still pretending a lot, so I, <laughs> yeah. just to be clear. And, I, and actually, I mean, I, I feel like this conversation is so hopeful because it I have found that the, the, the more leadership I get, the, har- the harder it is, even though I know vulnerability is important. Yeah. Mm. Um, so it's something I still certainly battle with. But uh, it's a couple of places for me that who, or people who model vulnerability. One, um, I do think my dad is a pretty vulnerable guy. So growing up, he always seemed really strong. Mm. He had a temper. I mean, it, you know, I, I feared him. Yeah. But he was also, he's also a poet, you know, mm. and he... Mm. Um, he shares emotions. He, I remember remember seeing him cry multiple times when I was growing up, and um, so I, I think I I didn't have some of the blocks to, to wow. being vulnerable that that some of the men around me have, um, have experienced. But with that said, uh, really the place that that it started taking root in me, I think, was um, in a significant way as a man was when I started my own recovery from sexual addiction, mm-hmm. and some of the men who were walking me through that, asking me really good questions that kind of opened up places in my heart that I didn't even know I had. 
Um, I remember one guy, um, Bill, who led one of my groups. Uh, I, I remember sharing something one day, and he he just said, uh, as I shared it, he said uh, it was and it was a painful thing. He said, he said, Josh, as you're sharing that, I noticed you're smiling. What's what's the smile about? And I was like, I was, and and I I stopped and thought about it, and uh, I was like, well, because I feel really embarrassed about what I just said. And he was, mm-hmm. and I mean, just moments like that where mm-hmm. he just took us into the moment allowed me just to kind of even examine a little bit of what's happening for me right now. Right. Um, and I think is, and he was likewise, he was, I mean, it was not just that I was on the hot seat. He'd share like that too. And other guys in our group. And, um, let me share one other key moment. I remember one guy in our group, uh, years and years ago, I mean, this is decades ago, um, sharing about, he had a, had multiple kids and I didn't have any kids. I wasn't even married at the time. And I remember him, this guy in our group saying that he had just come to realize that he loved one of his kids more than the other kid. And as a 20 something year old young man, listening to this, I thought I had two, two thoughts. One was he cannot be the only guy who feels like that. That makes so much sense that a dad would feel that way. And also just this sense of, I, if, 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 a, if this guy can be that vulnerable, mm. I want that too. I mean, it was yeah. just such a meaningful moment. Wow. Um, there's a quote that says, uh, um, if you want to be healed, you must expose your wound. Hmm. And I think it's, that's just true. If we want to be healed, we have to expose our wound. If we want to grow more mature, we have to expose our immaturity. If we want to be holy, we have to expose our sin. Hmm. Um, just so that God and his His church can, can help do surgery, help grow us up, help us in those places. And um, I'd like to think that it can just be God and me, you know, like I'll just be vulnerable with you, God. But uh, I do think that there's a, there's a correlation. The, the vulnerability I have with with people bleeds over into my ability to be vulnerable with God and vice versa. And, um, and we need it. So, yeah. 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 I've also found, you know, there is this deep longing to want to be known. Hmm. Oh yeah. And it's a God given thing. Well, part of me being known is not to just bring my best, but to bring my truth. One of the most refreshing places I go on a regular basis is the helping up mission. Hmm. I mean, it's a, an incredible place with 300 men who've literally blown their lives up. Hmm. I mean, varying degrees of education, ages, you name it. But what's so refreshing is that there really is no hiding while you're there (laughs) or pretending. And I would say this, it isn't really about the drugs and alcohol. Right. That's not really the issue. You would say, well, of course it is. They're in this recovery place. Well, yeah, that's what they did. But the the question is, why did they do it? Hmm. Those gaps, those deep wounds that Josh has referred to are what really got them there as you begin to do more uncovering. So when I'm there, I don't feel I can be anything other than vulnerable. So it gives me permission and almost a desire um, to share that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Josh, it was interesting you were mentioning that person. I was thinking of my dad when my parents were divorced. And uh, I think of all the things that that just the things that I long for as I look back and wished I had. But the one thing that my dad wasn't afraid to do in front of me was to cry mm-hmm. or to hug me and right. to tell me how deeply he loved me when he mm-hmm. didn't. And he was not a man of many words. Mm-hmm. And the one longing I had in my life was that he would have pursued me more mm-hmm. as we got older and there was pain in, around that. But those, I still remember him in those moments and there was something inviting about that for me. Yeah. So that was helpful. That's but, huge. So let me let me ask a question because yeah. if I could take the I'll go for this it, role for a second, because one I mean I mentioned beginning that I I feel I do feel this ongoing temptation of like ah oh, you know mm-hmm. um, and some of it is as as a guy who is the executive director responsible for 
kind of our our public face to people, um, and including fundraising, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you guys speak like, what do you do with that sense of, I've got a, you know, and I, I, we we get the value of vulnerability, mm-hmm. but at the same time, uh, there there are, there are people listening, people looking who might consider, oh, well, if he struggles with that, if that's the kind of guy he is, that I'm I, I'm not going to invest in that. I'm not going to come to that. Right. I'm not going to be a part of that. What do you do with that? That's a great question. You know, because I think that's an ongoing tension. I think one of the hard things for me is is this constant reminder that I need to deal with. Because I, I feel like, I think there's a difference between being vulnerable with, like, our past and being vulnerable with, like, yeah. what we're in. Yes, yes. You know, like, I can tell scripted parts of my story that I've rehearsed and that sure. I know how it's received. Did you notice how <laughs> I said dec- decades <laughs> right, ago? Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. <laughs> but it's a lot harder to be like, I was really pretty awful to my wife this morning. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, or, like, that's a different type of vulnerability and because it says, like, I'm still currently a mess. You know, yes. I'm still, like, how I handle handle my day-to-day is not figured out. Um, and, and that's more embarrassing because we want to, as a leader, we want to have been through the things that we've dealt with. Yeah. Um, it's not easy because I think it's an ongoing thing for me to kind of like look in the mirror and say, can I be honest with people about like how I'm feeling or what I'm doing right now? Uh, or will it disqualify me? I think that's like the fear, right? right? Yeah. Does it disqualify me from the role that I've been given? Um, and, I, and this comes from deep roots in me. I, I feel like... Um, and no one overtly said this to me about being a Christian growing up, but my perception was Christians pretending like you have it all together. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's those who have it all together. And I remember putting on a, like we were fighting with my family the whole way to church. And then we were better be smiling as we walked in right. in our best Sunday yeah. outfits. You know what I mean? Like no um, one can relate with that. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so like, uh, I actually, what, what hit like my young life leader, his name is Chris Paredes. Um, Pat, you do a good job of saying like, call and thank the person who taught you about vulnerability you know and i remember like yeah. doing this one time after a men's conference but i remember he would share in this group of high school guys about how like, he was fighting with his girlfriend <clears throat> or how like upset he was about with his parents and something he said to his parents that he regretted or you know and i remember thinking like man this guy's a bad christian but i like him <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah it was like that, that that and then i started to think maybe that's not what being a christian is maybe i like him because He's he's getting it right. Like we all actually have these feelings, and it was a slow evolution of me understanding. This is how we all are. His ability to talk about it in a real way is like makes him more of a Christian. You know what I mean? Like it's, That's the, good. it's yeah, really and, good. Yeah. And I try to remind myself of that because I still feel the ongoing tension to kind of say like, well, past Ryan really struggled, but man, I've got it right the last five years. <laughs> That's good though. I love that. You know, you kind of opened a little bit of a can of worms over there, Josh, <laughs> asking right. this question because. One of the things I think it makes us do is just look at the community in general. Hmm. And we've helped create a culture Hmm. that doesn't know what to do with messy periodically. Hmm. I think this is one of the reasons we have tons of people in the millennial age range, so to speak, who look at the community of faith and go like, this isn't a place I can doubt. Hmm. This isn't a place I can ask hard questions. This isn't a place if I'm sitting in a study where I can say, I don't buy that yet. Hmm. I don't agree with it without them feeling like, they don't love God. They can't do yeah. certain things. They're thrown away. Or maybe they have a different perspective on something than the main line. And we act like evangelicalism is this thing that's been around for centuries. Like, it mm-hmm. really hasn't. Mm-hmm. And it gets to be a pretty tight box. Again, I'm not dissing that reality in the essence, but the evangel is a good news. It's a person, not just precepts. Mm. And so I think the person of Jesus Christ welcomed people wherever they were people still in process. So you think about Hebrews chapter 11, you know, what do you want to put in your newsletter? And these, you know, close the mouths of lions, receive back their dead. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. That'll raise some money, right? Yeah. But here's what it says. But others were sawn in two and tortured. Why don't we ever put that in there? Yeah. Because that's part of the package. Like, you're dealing with people. It's messy. I just think that we have a culture that gives to what, quote, success is, but we never think enduring difficulty is success. Wow. Yeah. And who, like who cares yeah. anyway? Like, it's really about faithfulness. Yeah. Now, again, I don't think that doesn't mean we don't ever measure results or consider certain things. I'm only wondering why we aren't free to say, hey, we did these things, this worked great, and we tried this, and it didn't work at all. Mm. <laughs> and we really need some resource to consider this thing that could be a little risky. We don't know if it's going to work or not. Yeah. But if it does, boy, what it could do. You look at the history of the church and things that we've done, my goodness. I mean, it's as messy as it is glorious. Yeah. If we're honest. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Sorry, I asked the question. Thanks for pushing my buttons. Appreciate that. No, that's, it's a great question. I appreciate it's it. It's a great question. And I think it's it's an important question that we ongoingly wrestle with. Because I think there's tension to not be vulnerable anymore about our present, like always. you know. Yeah. And I think... And I think there's still this fear of like we'll be disqualified if people really knew our inner thoughts or our inner feelings or whatever it was, and and that's that's from the enemy because I think that's exactly when everybody walks in with this fear of I'll be disqualified. That's the end of vulnerability. So yeah. you tell me in your experience, don't you think more marriages would be healed and better making it if people felt they could say my marriage is struggling right now? Oh my gosh, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. D- don't you feel like yeah. more guys would embrace one another to say hey, I'm struggling with porn mm-hmm. right now and I don't know what to do? Yeah. But what they do is they wait till they're so far down the track or the marriage has been struggling. It's on life support before mm. somebody puts up the, 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 you know, I surrender flag. Yeah. And now we've got, you know, 10 layer, eight layer, six layers of stuff to get through before we can even begin to talk about stuff. Mm. And that's that's where you, the three of us have talked to this before, but like it's coming back to mind. The, the idea of the, the leader to be a leader means you go first. And so mm. I think that. Like Ryan, to even bring it back to what you were saying earlier about, like, let me share what's happening that's not good right now right. with you. Yeah. Um, and that, not that there can't be any discretion in how and when we deliver that. But, of course. Um, but I think that there's, like, to show somebody, like your young life leader did, yeah. that right now I'm, I'm in process. Right now I'm mm. struggling. That's good. I, I needed to hear that again today. Thanks, mm. guys. I, I truly, I don't, and I, this isn't, not a false humility. I do not want people thinking more of me than they should. Mm-hmm. I can't control that. But the only way that I can, I think, have any degree of integrity before that mm-hmm. is as it's proper to use myself as an illustration of brokenness. You know, as it's yeah. proper for my wife and family. I'm not trying to reveal all the nitty-gritty secrets. And right. I've made a few mistakes along the way. And had to yeah. say, probably shouldn't have said that, huh? Or should have asked permission first. <laughs> right, but right. Over the years, I've learned enough to be able to say, hey, this took place here, and this was true of me, and this is something mm-hmm. I'm dealing with right now. Yeah. So that's very common, and it's been very liberating. Yeah. Well, I, I would love to hear even your thoughts about you know why it's so dangerous for people to think more of you than they do. I, I know from my own personal feelings, like I think it... Like we we like to put people on pedestals for two reasons. You know, I think one is it gets us off the hook, correct? Because that person's like kind of supernatural. I mean, it's yep. Pat. Like he's yeah. not gonna. You know, yeah. I can't be like that. You know what I mean? So like it kind of gets us off the hook for having to share the responsibility of carrying the same load. Um, but two, I th- I you know I think I, I don't know like. Um, I think we want to believe that there's people out there who are a little bit more than human. I think that kind of like like then we'll count on them to get it all done. 
I, I mean, I, I know one of the. This is this is really silly. This is like the silliest thing in the world. But like, um, I'm like big like get input from people, kind of like 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 decision maker. Um, I, one of the times I feel the loneliest. This is so silly. But I think about this morning was like when it's about to snow and someone has to make the call if church is going to end or not, yeah. and it's like on the spot, and you're just like, I just don't want that kind of responsibility. Really? Like you know, like I don't want, I don't want to look like an idiot either way. You know, I want to be able to hide behind the vise of like, well, we we decided or we did this or whatever. And at some of the point, you just have to say the roads are icy. We're not having church. You know, like and like and that means that the ten people who practice for worship might be a little bit annoyed, and that means that like this speaker who put a lot of time in might get back up the next week and he might not do it at all and like you know it, there's just like i don't know that for some reason like i feel like so lonely being put on that like pedestal spot so i want somebody else to be there i want there to believe that somebody else just knows to make that call yeah. and, and like in and in, in every area of life that there's going to be someone who's not human who can just like make that decision <laughs> i think the other thing that I, so i i do think that's I, and i can relate with that i yeah. think the other thing for me, part of the reason I, I want to find somebody to put on a pedestal is because there's something in me that wants to have hope that mm. I can get to a place where that's where I can be ah, too. That's really good. Yeah. And that reveals in me this latent, but very, or maybe latent's not the right word, but this very real, like self-loathing, this part mm. of me that, that doesn't accept who you are now, who I am now, like has wow. to get somewhere else, has to be, achieve a certain place that I can, I can be viewed a certain way so that I'll be okay. As opposed to I, like right now, I'm I'm not all that I am going to be. I'm also not where I was, and That's I'm good. a beloved man of God, hmm. and Christ has died for me, and my future is secure, and all that stuff. I mean, I think it just reveals in me, although I believe those things I just said about about God and my place in Him, I do not believe of God and and my place in Him. Yeah. So it's it's a it's, we're a both and mix, right? Hmm. We always want to do this either or everything everything. Hmm. Lord just isn't in either war. So as much as I said, I have a concern that people might think, I don't know what you guys feel, but more of me, I don't want to be on a pedestal. Hmm. And yet I also say, I feel like at times I've heard this little nudging, hey, yeah, that's true. That's really true. And yeah. not but, but and yeah. you also have learned some things that you can offer that could be of real help to people. So lean into that. Hmm. Like you, you can't not admit that. I've given you something hmm to be responsible with and for. Hmm. You're not better than anybody else because of it, but you do own that mantle. So it's an either or. And I can't, you know, I can't control other people's responses, but I just think it's walking in an awareness of oneself. Self-awareness is pretty helpful along the way if you lean into it along the way. Yeah. Um, Because I know this, the longer you keep hiding behind an image, the more you just, have trouble getting out from behind it hmm. with each year that goes by. Yeah. 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 That's huge. Yeah. This, the word that comes to mind as we're talking is, is risk. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, there's like, it was actually interesting, Pat. I, I don't know if, it, if I told you the story I was with, you were doing something it was years ago, years ago, back when I was <laughs> years, years ago, you were, um, and I was sitting on this table with a group of men and you asked the question to, you asked the men to rate themselves one to ten on how um, uh, was it? I mean, how, how much they dealt with fear, like how 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 much anxiety or fear they carried, and I was like, well, nine, you know, <laughs> went around the table, and mo- most guys were kind of like above five. There were two guys at the table. One was like two. One was like you know one. And I was thinking, who are these guys? Like that's incredible, and and we kind of continued the conversation, and then I had this thought. And I said, and I, I said, hey, can I ask you two a question? Sure, yeah, we're not afraid. I said, how about how about in the area of relationships? 
how, how much do you have to fill it? And both of them immediately, they were like, oh, oh, well, seven, eight. Like, you just went, mm. it just skyrocketed. So, but I think this, there's this tension with risk. Like, we, like you said before, we want to be known. Yeah. Um, we, not, not, we, not even we want to be. We actually need, need to, to be, be known. Yeah. Like, if yes. we're going to be healthy. Yes. Yeah. Um, we need to be known. And we, we're afraid if we're known with the good, the bad, and the ugly that, that we're not going to be loved. And then on top of that, with what you're saying now, like the path, you know, there is good in there too. Like if I step out with the good that, that God has kind of sown into me, now, now I'm risking in a, in, a, in, a, in a real way another kind of rejection, another kind of, because what if that my good isn't good enough? Or what if my, my good takes me to another level and I'm not good enough there? And there's this kind of perpetual kind of dance with risk. Does that make sense? I, Absolutely. Completely. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just I mean, noticing it. It's a great thought. I love that we spent so much of this time talking about vulnerability because I think, I don't know, I just feel like that's one of the biggest, it could be the benefit of men's ministry, it could be the biggest obstacle if guys sure. can't be their whole selves like in a room. And if the leader can't be their whole selves there, there's a very low chance of vulnerability happening in yeah. that place. Yeah. Like, you know, it's interesting. I, over the years, we'll, one of the the things in the with men that I've noticed is just this, somehow this, perpetual need to appear as being adequate hmm. as being enough yeah it's so refreshing to look at a group of guys and go hey you're not adequate and you're not enough that's right i mean like there's some place if we push enough buttons hmm. and so again a counselor once told me that we change to the degree that we actually know we're loved hmm. and I, I embraced that statement i started thinking about that it's like wow so like why wouldn't we be vulnerable? Well, we're afraid. Afraid of what? Mm. Like, what am I really afraid of? Am I afraid of Ryan's opinion of me? Mm. Like, why am I afraid of Ryan's opinion of me? Or yours, Josh, is like, well, uh, well, it, I'm, I'm afraid of, afraid of what? That well, I might appear failure, that I'm, I don't have it right. Well, okay. Right. But do, if I really understand the reality and the magnitude of God's love, if it's gotten us not my head, but it's somehow stirring in me where I can embrace myself and learn the comfortableness of my own skin and I yet have things that I need to grow in and somehow his arms are around that mm -hmm. that I can go there and so a lot of ways my vulnerability I think equals the degree to which I've actually internalized this thing I think I know so well which is God loves me like great. like well, really but there's there's a tension there too because because on the other I'm thinking on the, on the flip side of that is is that vulnerability then is is almost I mean, it's a requirement to be able to receive that love. So we were saying earlier, like, you know, that somebody comes to church and like, well, this is this is everybody who's got it together. Yeah, good point, Josh. And really then, good point. You know, yeah. if I can't be vulnerable in church to say, like, honestly, I I I I believe, but I don't believe that God mm. loves me. And that's um, I I often think like the the biggest obstacle that anybody has in life is the the idea that God is not with them in fill in the blank, like whatever it is. So. Mm. Even and even down to my belief in God being with me, like yeah, God, I I don't have enough belief. I, I'm not even sure I have a mustard seed size belief that you that you love me like that. Hmm. And I and that's I think that's part of what I experienced from that guy so long ago, who's when he when he shared that thing that he thought was so awful and I thought was so human. Hmm. Um, and I thought, man, like now this guy has can receive love in that place because he opened up and was vulnerable. That's beautiful. That's amazing. 
Yeah. This is great, guys. I'm I'm enjoying this immensely. <laughs> um, I need it. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like therapy for us. Right? Yeah, we together. Right, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in your experience, you know, what are some of the significant issues facing men today? <laughs> uh, you, you should have found somebody else on this one probably, but <laughs> I, I did have a couple thoughts. You know, one, it's that uh, this goes back. I Proverbs is one of my favorite books in the scripture and you know in Proverbs chapter 4 it talks about seek wisdom get wisdom above all things mm. I get it get it get it yeah. chapter 8 wisdom is talking in the first person about how God created wisdom before anything else and ordained the seas and all that you know their their expanse and their boundaries and then at the very end of that chapter wisdom speaking and the first person says whoever finds me finds life mm. and receives favor from the Lord but whoever doesn't find me harms himself. But whoever hates me loves death. And this isn't a threat. It's just reality. And that's what wisdom basically means. I know we've talked about this before, but it's learning to conform to the way God has already made things to be. It's the oughtness of life. When you get yourself into the oughtness flow, going downstream or you know taking a board and going with the grain, I think many people... The guys that I'm working with, whatever age, they're living their lives. I don't know how often people stop and really consider the lives they're living and if it is in the flow of wisdom. Hmm. And you could even, in early Hebrew, would almost say that wisdom is being skilled at living. And so when we look at certain things, whether they're issues of I feel unfulfilled, or I don't know if I want this career, or I'm not sure about this relationship. So we have all these dynamics, but it's maybe a different kind of answer, but I mean, certainly there's wounds, there's isolation, there's other things, but I've started thinking, what is this fairway that goes through every human being, and certainly men, what does wisdom look like in these different areas of my life at the stages of my life that when you're in it, it works. Hmm. That's, great. That's great. I love hearing you talk about wisdom. I know, yeah. I, the, some of the things come to mind for me when I think about the difficulties facing men, um, one of them I think is this, uh, I think there is a lack of holistic and, and good vision of what it means to be a man or what good hmm. masculinity is. Yeah. And I think it's it's left generations of men like with this void that they're trying to fill through success at work or money or sex or just busyness or even success in ministry, um, trying to answer the, that deep question of am I am I man enough um, or, or or trying to fill that kind of sense of something's missing in me, mm. um, and I'm finding the with. The younger men go, I'm finding almost that is increasing the sense of like, um, is it even okay to, to want to be a, a man in a unique sense? And so, you know, in Genesis 1, we read that God created human beings in his image, male and female. And so there's, there's something unique about how men bear God's image on the earth that I think is, has been in many ways lost in the West. And, um, hmm. uh, and I, and I think you know, the, the lines of, of, you know, I mean, not, not that people don't experience significant gender issues. I, I'm not trying to belittle that in any way, but, yeah. but I think in the process, um, 
men have just kind of become unmoored. And, and the other, I mean, I remember growing up with just this general sense of, you know, um, men seem like they're kind of jerks in the world and they've done a lot of damage and they've hurt a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we have to kind of be apologetic for being yeah. men right. um, and turn the volume on any kind of man thing down, mm-hmm. at least when we're with others or with, or with women. Like, and, and then maybe when we get together, then we can turn the volume up. Right. But like when we turn that volume up, I think some of the expressions of manhood that, that are just around us in the culture, it's the, it's the guy who loves sports who gets really loud who's kind of messy who's you know he's got the, the, kind of the caveman yeah um and uh and there's there's something to that because i think there's something about masculine so anyway so i, I just think we're missing something of, of yeah. a good vision of what it is to be a man and then um and the other thing that comes to mind for me is i, I think that we live in a culture and this is probably true for men and women but where we are we so worship comfort hmm. that we um uh, we're, we're missing something of the adventure the risk the 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 danger of life um we kind of surrounded ourselves with padding Mm. and and uh and we like it that way and i think i think christian men have have really lost some of their call to service that that we're designed for yeah that's a big deal i i I resonate with like i feel like instead of the message being that we should be like healthy masculinity like you know like that there should be like it's it's just less masculinity you know what i mean like um that it just needs to be like Tone, tone down and turn off as, and I think that leaves guys not knowing how to be a man and be a man well you know what I mean like yeah. um, like they just they just feel like the, the impulses or the things that they have as men are inherently wrong and so they don't know how to use it for like the good it was created for because right. it's been mostly misused and that's the only examples that they've seen are it being misused Yeah. Um, and that's the message that you get is just to kind of like root that out of your life as opposed to like learn how to be that well in a healthy way yeah, yeah. yeah. what you guys are saying is so it's so helpful and enlightening because I think it, it it brings to bear for me again, you know, you reap what you sow and I think outcomes speak. Hmm. Outcomes speak. And this is where this, why I even mentioned wisdom, you guys help put a little bit more meat on the bones for me, even listening to you and how it, you know, what does wisdom look like when it comes to my hmm. worth? Who am I? Success, hmm. relationships, um, going for it. You know, yeah, yeah. I think these things are in the water already. Yeah. We don't create the oughtnesses of life. The goodness, we discover them, we can fight them, we cannot agree with them. You just mm. can't change them. Yeah. You're not changing gravity. Mm. You know, there's relational wisdom. You're not changing it. There's financial wisdom. <laughs> you can, you know, people go against it every day, you know, whether it's debt or overextension mm. or, you know, Ponzi schemes or whatever. I'm right. just, it, at some point, payday's coming. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I think our spirit kind of rings that bell eventually yeah or conflict raises a bell or something says we're missing something mm. i was talking to a um i think he was probably 22 at the time this is maybe a year and a half ago this guy i've known for a while and he um he just started reading john eldridge's wild at heart which mm. has been a really impactful book in my life too and um which is all about like growing into man what the, what's the heart of a man really after and how, how do we kind of embrace that and move in that and uh, this guy said something was really interesting. And he said, uh, he said, my whole life, I've, I've known I'm supposed to be a good Christian. And so I've worked at being a good Christian. He said, but, but now I realize I'm supposed to be a good Christian man. Mm-hmm. And he said it like that. Good Christian man. And he, this, his face kind of lit up when he said yeah. it. And it wasn't something that, I, you know, I mean, he was just kind of catching something. Mm-hmm. Something was starting to light in him. Yeah. And I hope it's continued to grow because that's, that's, that's a good desire to be a good yeah. Christian man. 
that you know that's one of the things and actually when i was in college i read that book and i felt like um and again like i'm not like i like eldridge i'm not like a, a huge i mean i'm not, i actually use his book in one of my men's groups mm. but like so it's things i like and things i don't like i'm not like a huge eldridge disciple but the biggest thing I, I took from him is that it gave me permission to feel some of the things I was feeling like, you know, and to just right, know that yeah. there's, there's a healthy outlet for that. Yeah, like, yeah. like, yeah, it's like that, that weird desire that you have to kind of pick a fight sometimes, maybe don't do that, but there's a purpose <laughs> that like we're, we're built to battle, you know what I mean? Like, mm. and, there, and like, and what does it mean to battle for things that matter and like, and to like apply that. And I think that the comfort is well stated that you talked about that I feel like our, our cultures are kind of afraid to risk. And I think we've, again, counter swinging from some of the things that were done poorly in our, you know, in the generations before there's almost like worship of the family. So we don't want to risk my time with my family to do something for the kingdom as much. Or, or, you know, we, we end up kind of counter swinging towards like security of like my family being safe is the most important thing. You know what I mean? Like my family being comfortable is the most important thing. And like, that's not really the example we see in the Bible. Like, you know, like, there's like a lot of risk being taken and a lot of like growth happens when risk, when, when you like risk something for the kingdom. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. If you go back to Genesis, I, uh, it's, it's, it's intriguing to me. I think one of the first things that we see about what a man does or doesn't do, Adam didn't step up. Hmm. Yeah. He, he needed to step up and he didn't step up. Yeah. He just didn't protect. And I think of the times in my life where I didn't step up. Hmm. You know, I was 33 when my wife basically was saying we'd have conflict. You go somewhere else without going into the whole story. You, you are ceasing to step up. Mm-hmm. And after a couple of years, she said, you know, you are 33 years old anatomically in your body. <laughs> and you are about eight years old emotionally right mm-hmm. now dealing with me. And I think she was saying, are you going to be what you've been created to be? Are you going to step up and grow up and be what you've been created to be? I think one of the a very significant issues that I've seen in people, but certainly in men for this sake, when we have a chance to step up and take a shot and declare reality to protect hmm. and we don't, that could have helped a lot. Adam knew the truth. (laughs) And I think when we abdicate that, I don't mean like the knight in shining armor. I'm just saying you had a mantle of reality that you didn't protect or give away and share. Hmm. And you let something happen with that that was a gift of yours. I gave you that dominion. You gave up that dominion. Hmm. You know, the evil one can't Hmm. take dominion wherever he wants it's still ours to give and when we give it up he takes it i've seen men give up dominion in their marriages in their personal lives i've done it yeah and so you know it was at that moment i had to decide when my wife said that to me yeah am i going to step up and be what i've been given to be this experience with my my wife does that make sense what i just said absolutely and i pat i'd say like i can i mean I can almost feel like when I'm when I'm when I'm slinking back, when I'm yes. pulling back, when I'm yes. not saying something that, that yeah. is true, when I'm oh. when I'm not protecting, and I and I and I something in me wants to, but I'm shrinking back out of fear, or out mm. of comfort, or out of you know whatever. Mm. Um, I had this conversation with my wife not long ago. We were it was a heated argument. It was it was you not have pretty. Those still? We do. <laughs> uh, if I can be vulnerable, we do. And, and um, she she had come to me with with this this issue and I don't remember what the topic was specifically but I do remember was I felt so accused by what she was bringing and I was just 
you know, pushing back on what she was saying. And, and at one point she said to me, um, she said, you know, I think what I wanted when I came in here, I wasn't trying to accuse you. What I wanted was for you to, to protect me, yeah. to hear mm-hmm. what I was going on for me and to want to step up and protect me. And I was just like, oh, crap. Okay. I, yeah. That's what I want to do for you. Yeah. And I, yeah. and I, instead in my smallness, I felt like, you know, you were the, the one against me, like, mm-hmm. but you were saying something else was against you. You want me to stand in between wow. you and it. And my wife is a very strong woman. And so like for her to She's get to a amazing. place like that, yeah. like I, I mean, it, it was it was not a small deal, but yeah. um, but it also I think I think that kind of expression from her also ignited something in me, like yeah. reminded me that's the one that's called the it out of you though, but didn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have another illustration too of a failure. Um, I remember a number of years ago I was in a meeting and there was a lot going on, but this dear dear woman who had breathed life into my soul, just a little, some counseling stuff, and she has since gone to be with the Lord, but. Somebody confronted her about some stuff. There's a room of like 30 people and just went after her. And it was not her stuff. Hmm. It was a unique situation. And I sat there in my mind thinking, I need, to, I need to stop this. This is just, number one, not right, not the place. And it's not her stuff. And I didn't say anything because hmm. I was like afraid it was me. I kind of, and after that meeting, I went home. I felt so bad. <laughs> I felt like, who are you, dude? You got to yeah. be kidding me. Hmm. Right. And I couldn't be released from this until I went to her. I knew God cared about me. It wasn't that. It was about myself. And I remember looking at her and saying, look, I, I let you down last night. I was in a room and watched something unjust going on. And I should have stepped up. And I didn't. And I am so sorry that you had to feel the weight of my immaturity. Wow. And... But I also will say this, I'm going to do what I can to never let that happen again by God's grace. I felt like I was not a man hmm. right. at that moment. Yeah. So when you think about manhood, I don't know if it's climbing trees and farting in the woods. <laughs> what I do know is I was not one right then. Yeah. I knew the right thing and I did not step up. I think passivity is like, hmm. is a deep, like, like... I guess, issue for men in general, you know, and I think that like um, that when we kind of know what's right and we don't rise to the occasion. And I think that all guys kind of struggle with that. Like I get to lead this group of guys and we just talked about passivity last week and like the nods at the table of like that it's stories just like that of saying like I knew there was something I was supposed to engage in, but I shrunk away. And like, and it just the the universal feeling of that, of, of like whatever that fear is, whether it's just rejection from other men, whether it's just like uh, insecurity about what, how you would handle it, but like there's so much passivity that creeps in, and I think it's something that guys really, really deal with on a myriad of levels. Whether it's shrinking from a hard conflict with their wife, I think one of the things that you guys both demonstrate is that you've been willing to go there with your wives, eventually at least. Like you know, yep, you push yep. to the point, but so many people don't. You know, like the, the, it just it's easier to kind of not go in those spaces and let distance creep in, and then let divorce eventually happen because there's just so much distance there. And I think. I don't know. I, I watch passivity as a pretty deep root in like as issues in so many men, whether they're afraid to step up in their job, whether they're afraid to like whatever it is. I think that I don't know that that's a pretty deep step up issue. in a conversation with your kids. Oh, man. Oh, step oh my up. Gosh, I'm not yeah. ready for that. I mean, whatever, <laughs> you know, like I can't tell you the parents who've thrown their hands. I'm going back. It's just tough to huh. forget. I think yeah. I, mean, I can't do it. I can't deal with it. Yeah. yeah. I So I I talk about because of the ministry I work in, I talk about sex a lot with right. adults. And but man, when it, and, and, I, and I talk to adults about how to talk to your kids about sex. But when it comes to talking to my kids about sex, <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I'm going back to the, you know, my notes going, what, what am I supposed to So I heard this, I had this great, uh, just to back, back up a little bit with passivity, I heard this great um, 
the, mo- the movie The Silent Place or The Quiet Place. Okay, yeah. Um, John Krasinski's uh, yeah. film. There's a this, spoiler alert. So if you want to press pause, press pause now. But there's a um, there's a scene in there that the 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 evil creatures in this movie like can't see. They they're drawn by sound. And there's a scene in the movie where the father is watching his two his two kids are in a car, and this evil creature is like basically gonna, is going to kill him. And the father's looking from a distance, and there's nothing he can do. And um, you can see this his face kind of shift, and he at one point just um, resolves himself, and and he he says to his daughter, kind of mouths to her, signs to her. You know, I, I I love you. I've always loved you, and then with that, he he drops whatever he's holding. He just lets out this this yell to, oh, wow. to draw the this evil thing towards him. And I was listening to this guy, um, Bishop Robert Barron, talk about this movie and and some of the just the Christian kind of undertones, whether they were meant to be there or not. Yeah. And he was talking about that scene, and he said this about Jesus, and I I, I never heard it put this way. He said he said that that picture of the Messiah of drawing evil to himself in order to protect the one he loves. And I think that that statement, drawing evil to himself to protect the one he loves, mm. um, was so helpful for me. Mm. And it, it does something to kind of stir me up in this area of passivity, like sitting and watching something bad happen, speaking up against things that are not true and things that are evil in the culture. Because um, I'm like, man, I, the reason I don't want to do this, I don't, I don't want to get hit. I don't want somebody yelling at me. Right, yeah. um, or I don't want to fail. I don't want to do this wrong. Yeah. And I thought, you know, but... But if that's the model of Christ, like if that's the, I'm going to stand up, maybe make a fool out of myself, maybe say something wrong, hmm. maybe get someone yelling at me, maybe get someone angry at me, so that I might might draw evil away from someone else, like Jesus did. Like that hmm. kind of fires me up. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, these these issues of the heart are huge that we're talking about hmm. because I I just this has just been a theme in my life that you know, from reading Dallas Willard and so many others. And just as you read the scriptures, you know, you begin to think, boy, this little word heart is mentioned over 800 times and we live from it. We don't really understand it, but it's, again, it's wisdom. It's reality. It is the way we operate. Hmm. And so, I mean, I often wonder even in the garden, what was really going on in Adam's heart right. at that moment? you like, you know, we always make a decision before we make an action there's something internally stirring before we do something. So even in me, in that environment with, where I didn't step up to actually protect that woman and stop something that people would have seen, there's something. I'm literally sitting in the chair having an invisible conversation with my own feelings and yeah, history yeah, and yeah. wounds and everything else going, holy cow, wow. I can't make sense. I don't know. <laughs> you, know and I, I, you know, I felt like, man, I lost the battle. And somebody else helped pay, I mean, somebody paid a price for it. And the good news is I think I started winning a little bit of the war because then I had to step up and had to do something a little more courageous and going to admit my wrong. Yeah. And that was healing for me in some ways. It dealt with some voices way in the past. That's where God's hand is so redemptive. It didn't waste that failure. Right. Wow. Because the next day I had a chance to step up again. And I think every day we have these chances, mm-hmm. don't we? Yeah. Um, and when we fail, there's always a chance that I'm going to hide and go into a little hole and yeah. and diminish myself or to say, wait a minute, I only have so much time here. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to step up and I, I can make it right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never too late to do the right thing. Wow. So this is really a good conversation. And, and the other thing that comes to mind as you're sharing that, Pat, is like, like we're kind of sharing these isolated moments. And I, and I do think there's something like individual men walk through moments of testing where yes. 
Mm. Like I like it is really up to me to stand up. I can't wait for someone else just to to do it for me. Like I mean, I'm gonna look around the room and well, that guy should say something. Or that guy, it, I have to do something. And at the same time, like, we, we are designed to do this together in some way. And so I guess one of the questions for for me or for us, or I'd love to hear from you guys about it. Like how do we how do we encourage each other? in that way. I mean, I think being honest about our failures is one, like coming and saying, I, I dropped the ball. I just, I totally just dropped the ball with my wife or I totally sat by and let this happen. Or I haven't been doing this thing because I've been scared to death or I've been staying in the same job forever because I, I'm, I'm afraid to do something different. Make or, a move or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Blaming other people for it, whatever. But, but I think, I think that's one of those places where like we get into the realm of like motivation and, and just the, the I don't know. I, it seems like really sensitive place like some sometimes like you know one guy's trying to motivate another guy and it's actually just really discouraging the other guy and um another guy thinks like you know hey <laughs> Try harder. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy's like you know trying to be really be encouraging and it's really not enough i mean like this just um but but somehow for men to like learn with each other maybe with just a close band of brothers like how how can we help each other really to step up hmm. step out and take those risks and be the men that god's designed us to be you know one of the things i love about jesus is just wherever people are they're on the continuum of faith but it's just his constant use of questions hmm. i mean i just think of how powerful if we were sitting and having coffee just the mm-hmm. three of us somewhere we're sitting out you know it's a beautiful spring night and we're having a beer or something like that and if you looked at me josh and say goody like i never thought you were like what do you really want man <laughs> like what do you really want that would be that's a pretty deep question yeah it's one of the first ones Jesus asked. <laughs> like, I don't know that we think about that a lot. Yeah. And I've, I've used this illustration. If you went into any restaurant in the area, probably, and you asked people, say, hey, or you told people, hey, I'll give you 100 bucks if you can come back in 45 minutes with some piece of paper that shows you thought about your retirement. <laughs> Most people could do it or have something at least. Well, maybe 50 percent. I don't know right. what you know, the latest stats are. But if you said to them, OK, I'll give you five times that much if you can come back with a piece of paper that has something pre-written. You didn't write it on the way back, but I mean already done of what you really want your life to have been about <laughs> at some level. Most people would look at you like you had 10 eyeballs yeah. and it's their life. I wouldn't have either, yeah. except a man 40-some years ago said to me when I was 21 years old, you're going to sit down and start thinking right now of learning to create a living document about your life. It's the greatest thing you've been entrusted with is your life. How powerful is that That's amazing for my life? And I've tried to do that with people. That's great. Only because somebody did it with me. But mm-hmm. I think the questions we ask each other, like what defines me, or if we're together, Josh, because we have and you're really in the tank about something, we're not like, Josh, like... Why is it bothering you so much? Like, what's it touching? Huh. Right. But in that, I'm saying to you, I still love you. Like, I'm here. Like, but what is, why is that touching? What is it touching? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think that is maybe something sometimes older men can give to you, a little bit of younger men, because yeah. I've been there. Like, I got migraines right. and back spasms when I was first a regional director with Young Life. I'm like, I, I thought I'm either going to die doing this job <laughs> yeah. because my ego and my approval needs are so off the charts. I'm getting whacked like every day. I cannot exist like this huh. or I'm going to have to figure this out. So like the Lord does, he takes the things that he has us do to change who we are mm-hmm. if we'll listen and root out of us and grow us. Just like, I'm going to grow you into who I know you are. 
This could be a lot easier or harder than it needs to be, depending on you and your willingness to surrender to me. Yeah. But I did have some friends who helped remind me again of who I was and whose I was. But those right questions, again, I That's think awesome. are really yeah. helpful. And you know? the, the, yeah. the great thing about a great question is that it, it, it puts it back on the man instead of it. Right. So it's not like a, okay, I just shared it with my tabler, with my small group, with my band of brothers, it was going on for me. And then they come back and tell me how to do it. Correct. Which I think can, can share the message of like, we all know this. Sure, like, you, yeah, you right. should know it too. As opposed to, this is this is your life. You're yeah. making the investment. It's your risk. Like hmm. asking you deeper questions to help unearth like what's deep down with that stuff. What are the wounds? What are the messages? Um, what do you want to do? Hmm. Which I think, kind of, it, it's a it's an honor to be asked those kinds of questions. And I think it it, it also communicates a level of of faith that God is working in your life and that you are. That's good, Josh. You, yeah, you've that's... got. You've got it in you to answer this question, even you if you bet. can't answer it right away. I mean, mm. you know, John 5, it's it's such a common question. Again, we run right over it. I mean, it's 38 years by the pool of Bethesda. Do you want to get well? Like, yeah. what? <laughs> it's like having somebody having the pukes for three days. Hey, you want to get well? Like, <laughs> what? I mean, like, there are implications to wellness. Mm. <laughs> Steps to get there. Yeah. I mean, it's like when my wife said to me, hey... You know, when I was around 33, I love you. I'm not going anywhere, but it's time you grew up for me to say, I want to get well. There were implications to that, which right. means I had to look at some reasons why I wasn't where I should have probably been already. It's hmm. huge. I want to hear you say that this one thing again. He takes the things we do that he's called us to do to show us who we are. Is that what, what was it? I really like that. I just think that everything that I've done vocationally job wise has touched something in me that's revealed something in me that needed to mature hmm. Hmm. I don't think God is of the nature that he uses us up uses us up and then finds someone else right yeah hmm. I think he's much more capable like I know both of you guys well enough to know that because you've dared to take some risks hmm. to outdistance yourself a little bit and taking on responsibility that you in are in over your head a little bit You've grown as a person. Yeah, a little. Absolutely. Yeah. No, but you've grown as a person. Absolutely. You didn't have to do it. Hmm. It's changed you. Yeah. Um, and so it either hardwires immaturities or you get to the point where it's like, boy, now what I'm doing is revealing, exposing hmm. things in me that I have a chance to learn with. So I think yeah. God grows a person through what he has us do. That's huge. Not just uses us up to get more done. Thank you so much for joining us for part one of our fireside chat on men's ministry. Please listen to part two in order to catch the rest of the interview. 